This is the fuck episode. <laughs> All right. And this first one, we're talking about two. Oh, oh, we started. <laughs> I was looking down at my phone. Uh, hello and welcome to the Tough Cut Podcast. Uh, I didn't finish drafting the text I was trying to send, but I guess they don't get a response for the next hour. Oh, no. Matthew's going to totally Matthew. forget about that text. <laughs> I'm Matthew. I'm Alex. And I'm Jake. And we are the Tough Cut Podcast. Welcome back uh, to part three of the animal protagonist bracket. This time with all animal protagonists, hopefully. Well, I mean, I, yeah, I guess so. <laughs> I'm going to no, I'm going to get into it. I've actually thought long and hard. Uh, I bet you I, have. I have. I have some 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 good good words about. <gasps> oh, no. <laughs> so. Coming up at you in the first half of this episode, we've got Paddington 2 versus the SpongeBob SquarePants movie. And then in the second half of the episode, we've got The Life of Pi versus Fantastic Mr. Fox. This is our semifinals. We're really getting into it this week. Yeah. yeah. And can I just say before I started, uh, <laughs> before before uh, we actually logged on to Discord, you know how um, I used to eat limes as a kid? Where is this going? <laughs> No, I, do, I, never, I do know this. I yes. Yeah, okay. I, I do know I, this. All right. I used to eat limes as a kid, and more importantly, I used to drink lime juice. And um before before logging into Discord, why I was late is I found one of those little fake bottles of like lime, and I had the strong urge to like guzzle it, and I did. I didn't guzzle the whole thing. I just <laughs> squirted a bunch to the back of my throat, and I think I'm only now starting to feel the repercussions of it. <laughs> so <laughs> Like the ones that look like little green, like balls, like a Lines, like a little yeah. green, like yeah. I squirted that it directly into onto my uvula. I just thought nice. you guys should know going forward. I, I thought everyone should know going forward. Uh, <laughs> this is that the I lime have, episode. Um, <laughs> this is the lime episode. Uh, uh, sponsor us, lime, lime. I don't know <laughs> what company. Big <laughs> lime. Big lime. We're looking at you, the lime lobby. You can't get past me. I know you're out there. Oh, gosh. Cool. You got anything to add, Jake, before we hop into the episode? <laughs> yeah, I do. Uh, <laughs> I was gonna, Yeah, I forgot that was what I was supposed to be doing. Uh, spoiler alert, guys. Uh, this is a spoiler alert. We reminded ourselves to do it before we talked about the episodes. Uh, before we got to talk about the episode. I'm going to restart all that. Spoiler warning, before we dive into these movies, we're gonna... I'm fucking <laughs> up. It's the lime juice. Can you sit a... It's the lime juice. <laughs> it's the lime juice. I'm getting too into the lime juice. Okay, spoiler warning. Warning. Uh, let me... Okay, I'm gonna really... <laughs> spoiler alert, boys and girls. Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. <laughs> This is this is my moment. This is my job. This is my one thing that I have. Uh, spoiler warning: We are going to be spoiling these movies uh, in depth. We will be talking about them. Probably some plot points we'll get. If you made it to episode three and you haven't watched these movies, thanks for listening to us. Actually, I don't really mind as long as you're listening. That's all I care about. Just kidding. Please watch the movies, but we will be spoiling them. All right. Cool. I also I want to throw out there too, just at the beginning of the episode. Thank you so much for listening. We really appreciate it. Um. Yeah. Thanks. Tell one friend about the show. One friend only. And tell that friend to tell two friends. And tell them to tell three friends. And then start selling oh. Cutco knives. 
sponsor us cutco knives jake is still looking for a job i'm still looking for a job i just did a fake interview the other day it sucked uh it was a scam you know my challenge to our audience is tell one enemy tell an enemy i don't want you to tell your friends tell an enemy and see where that goes because if you know what your enemies are listening to you can control their brains Ah. Yeah, I think that's probably true. All right, let's hop into the first (laughs) matchup of today's episode. I guess I will go ahead and introduce Paddington 2. Go for it. Paddington 2, released in 2017, directed by Paul King. As I've said before, um, follows the story of the oh-so-lovable Paddington. Uh, He's a bear. He lives with the Brown family. And he wants to buy the very bestest a uh, birthday present for Aunt Lucy. So he's trying to, you know, pick up some jobs, pay for it. But then it gets stolen and Paddington adjusts to life in prison. <laughs> wow, you skipped a lot there. Um, okay. <laughs> it all turns out okay in the end. Spoiler. Oh, my God. Yeah, you, we really were lucky to have my great spoiler wording in the beginning because you just spoiled the movie. <laughs> anyway, the SpongeBob SquarePants movie, Alex. Spongebob and his uh, thick, juicy butthole. Um, I don't know why I said butthole. It's his cheeks that are so luscious. (laughs) Spongebob's luscious cheeks uh, go on an adventure to find a crown and return it before Mr. Krabs is eaten up by King Neptune, I guess. It kind of seems like he's going to eat him, doesn't it? Let's get into that. Is King Neptune going to eat Mr. Krabs? He's going to boil him alive. What's up with that? (laughs) <laughs> let's, let's, um, i think for, he, no, forget the podcast let's let's really dive into this one what's up so, with yeah, what what is king neptune he says he says specifically he's going to fry mr krabs mm-hmm. i mean you can fry something without eating it sure impossible you, you know, literally you like impossible. Fry food but like i i know some things that have been fried that weren't eaten um what <laughs> what are you gonna give literally just one example? Nah. <laughs> um, I think it's funnier that way. I eat any food, even you should know, Matthew, that I'll eat pretty much anything that yeah, comes to I, my I mouth. I do know after living with you that yes, you will le- eat essentially literal garbage to sustain yourself. Yeah. Would you eat SpongeBob's thick, juicy ass? Yeah, no question. Not even fried. You don't have to fry that for me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, do you think SpongeBob's butthole is like one of his normal holes, or do you think it's a different hole? I think I he mean, doesn't have one. Well, based on what we've seen, because if if we refer to the show, because we do see other sequences in which SpongeBob does not have pants on, um, yeah. and he's just like mm-hmm. full square. You know, he's not doesn't have mm-hmm. big full voluptuous sponge, yeah. cheeks. So yeah. that actually implies, you know how he changes form to like look like different things. Does that mean in the movie he intentionally popped those cheeks up, you know, oh, to give us a, a good look? Yeah, maybe, maybe. Yeah. I'm glad we're finally getting into all the notes that we took on the SpongeBob SquarePants movie. SpongeBob's an exhibitionist. <laughs> also, wait, okay, isn't it crazy that the new SpongeBob movie comes out tomorrow? This this wasn't planned, but hey, uh, Paramount Plus. Sp- sponsor if us? anyone if anyone knows uh, anyone at paramount plus anyone in the big lime lobby send them our way toughcutpod at gmail.com <laughs> anyway so how about we hop into uh <laughs> talking about movies in comparison a little bit 
Yeah. So for for me, a comparison that I kind of want to bring up, um, just in talking about SpongeBob, uh, and we didn't talk about it too much, was the fact that uh, the the blending of live action, like in, in these sequences, I, I don't know if it was the first. It wasn't the first time SpongeBob does this. SpongeBob does this as a recurring bit, um, and it's funny in the TV show. Like it's like funny and like also kind of jarring that one ape episode like i know so many people who are scared of that episode like actually terrified of that it, it episode all, um funny you mentioned that specifically because there is a i don't know what to call it, fan theory i suppose uh known as skin theory that essentially all the characters of, of spongebob um <laughs> I, I, if there's a skin theory expert out there, they'll probably correct me in the comments and be really mad that I mischaracterize this. But that basically all the people are like just wearing fish skins and they reference oh it's like a it's like a 50 minute video and they reference <laughs> all the times that there are evidence of someone wearing another person it happens a lot in spongebob <laughs> and that gorilla Wait. is like one of the big examples because you have patrick in the gorilla soup then you also have the gorilla you know Holy wait, but here's the thing. If that's true, then it's not an animal protagonist. Yeah, I guess if if skin theory is <laughs> Whoa, correct, skin, then SpongeBob is not an animal up. protagonist. Holy shit. Well, I guys, think we I think you code. have to turn that around though and apply skin theory to Paddington too, because <laughs> Can bears go to prison? He's a wizard. Because he's a wizard. He's a little wizard boy that was turned into well, a bear. So that's another fun fact is actually there was a case once in Alaska where, oh <laughs> wherein um, a bear had <laughs> killed, a, I think, like two or three people in one sort of feeding season, in open season before they hibernate. Uh, so they actually, I believe, flew the FBI out to use forensic tactics that they used to catch serial killers to try and track this bear down. So can a bear go to prison? Maybe, but I feel like they probably just shot it. I don't remember the end of that story. No, he, he got acquitted. The glove didn't fit. Uh, but no, okay, the, the comparison I want to make is that I don't really like uh, the use of like live action in, in SpongeBob. I think it's like super mm. jarring at the end. Like, David Hasselhoff is fun, but I just think it just felt like, I don't know, it, it's like uncomfortable for me to the point where it isn't comedic. Hmm. Um, while I think Paddington like blends it like hmm. again like that that's a wizard bear I, I do think like personally it, it's not like something that um, bothered me um, sure I think that in this bracket we've seen other movies execute the animated character playing off um, real people much better um, it's also a much smaller portion of the runtime we see it in this movie However, I think that there are more just really interesting implications led by the uh, world building we see of the real humans like that diver. I <laughs> I feel like I, I am <laughs> branching into the, the territory in the diving suit. <laughs> yeah. Like, you know, there's just like really strange, goofy things like that. Um, or that, you know, apparently in the SpongeBob universe, people's pecs can really just transform <laughs> like that. You know? I think that's just David Hasselhoff. Fair point. Like, I, I, I'm yeah. probably real life. David Hasselhoff can do that, too. A smooth transition from that. Um, they actually there's a deleted scene in SpongeBob where Sandy Cheeks is also out of the water and they just had like a live action squirrel. Wait, what? And that's fantastic. There, there's a deleted scene that they were working on where Sandy was just going to be a real squirrel. Um, and instead of taking David Hasselhoff back to Bikini Bottom, they were going to take a bus 
And Patrick was going to be so disgusted seeing Sandy as like a living squirrel <laughs> that he would start throwing up. Yeah, that's such a shame because actually rewatching this movie, I didn't notice it as a kid because like it's just a fun, like good movie. But I was kind of upset that characters like Sandy, Squidward, like they didn't get a chance to be in this movie I, at all. I do love, though, um, the the way in which Squidward is written out where Spongebob's like, and the three of us? And he's just like, nope. <laughs> yeah, but then he also gets some more, like, he, he gets some stuff, like, yeah, trying to stop playing like, whatever. He gets a couple but, like, of his again, own scenes. The, the, the other, they get, like, one line. I don't know. I, I really like Sandy growing up. I think that was one of my favorite mm. characters. So I was just like, why do you say mm like that? I, mean, <laughs> I feel like it's unlocking a secret piece of your character. Just because I talked about Jessica Rabbit before does not mean those feelings equate to Sandy Cheeks, okay? Sandy's Yesterday Cheeks. Yesterday Sandy Cheeks. Oh, God, I don't know. I'm going to be labeled a furry or like a, I don't know. <laughs> Jake's trying to take a walk on the wild side. Uh, to, to really steer this question away from that. That's Scarlett Johansson, right? That's Neptune's daughter. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. her when she was a Isn't kid. Isn't that wild? She has such incredible range. I think yeah, she could play. She can anyone. really play a tree, uh, a fish. <laughs> sorry, uh, uh, anyone. <laughs> so versatile. I think I'm, I'm pretty sure they actually did mocap for that one. No, that's too. this is skin theory. We're applying. This skin is where theory Andy right Circus got it from. <laughs> <laughs> so in a, 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 a another point of discussion um just to move us away from skin theory for but a brief moment i do think there's actually a really interesting parallel between spongebob and paddington too uh in terms of their like messaging and how their characters are viewed by the world versus how like their characters view the world i think that there there is like a lot of shared naivete between SpongeBob and Paddington in both of these characters. Obviously, SpongeBob's is a little more explicitly like it's okay to be a kid, whereas Paddington's is like, hey, just like embrace positivity and be who you are. Yeah, I agree. Uh, this was also something I'm glad you mentioned it that I wanted to get into because I think that SpongeBob's presents it as a very like limited view because they frame it in a very like what's masculinity what's it mean like being an adult is basically huh. being a man and, and they do um they do critique that in a way but i also think they do fall prey to it where i think paddington was about like more than that it was more familial more like universal saying oh be be the good you wish to see in the world basically like be overly positive kill him with kindness um which i think is a more universal message like they they do battle masculinity in SpongeBob. I'm not saying they're not afraid to not be or be feminine or whatever. Like the goofy goober scene, like is evident of that. Have you seen SpongeBob in the in that uh, or even even Patrick in his uh was what is it called fish fishnet stockings fishnet stuff? It's great, and, and they really do try to battle that. But I do think they they plan a lot of it around masculinity in a weird yeah. kind of. I wish they open it up more. Yeah, I totally agree with that. It stems from an issue of like because they frame it around him not being a man, it limits it to that conversation. Versus Paddington is overwhelmingly just about being positive in the world, mm -hmm. being a good human being, rather than what does it mean to be a man? What does it mean to be a man? A miserable pile of secrets. That one's for all you Dracula X <laughs> Rondo Blood fans out there. Wow, Dracula! Wow, all three of you. I'm, I'm, pr I'm proud of proud of all three of you <laughs> who are probably listening to this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
I do think it's interesting because like if we look at Paddington and he does also go to jail and is surrounded by predominantly men and it also, you know, tackles masculinity in that way. I think that Paddington, though, tackles it in a little bit more of a subversive way. Mm, maybe not quite subversive way because it's more just like, hey, all these gruff big dudes that you'd think to be very traditional men aren't actually such traditional men. So in that case, subverting of masculinity. But I think that's a pretty typical way to subvert masculinity to have like even the villain. I mean, it, he, Hugh, Hugh Grant is like a theater, uh, like, you know, panache and and whatever, dude, it's still still a dude still like, again, like a very easy way to subvert it. But yeah, maybe maybe they could have addressed it a little a little better or just included more female characters for that matter. Um, they could have mixed the prisons up, you know. I mean, I do think in terms of female characters in Paddington, obviously the most significant is probably Sally Hawkins character, Mary Brown. Isn't it crazy that, okay, this is just one thing randomly I noticed I didn't get to say before. Sally Hawkins, literally when she was drowning with Paddington, I was like, this is Shape of Water. Sally Hawkins, once again was underwater with an animal who is more human than animal. This is typecasting, guys. This is how she got cast in, in Shape of Water, right? This was her audition. Yeah. It blew my mind. Luckily, she didn't do anything with Paddington. Because but... she, she can pull off emotional scenes really well underwater. Yeah, that's what this movie proved. Yeah. Wow. I, I actually do love Sally Hawkins. I have a fat crush on her in this movie specifically. She uh, warms yeah, my wow, heart. Wow, Jake, trying to get her to cheat on her husband y- yes. of a very long time. <laughs> yes. And break up I'm, the Brown I'm, family and break little Paddington's heart when he has to live through split custody. I'm trying to, hey, I'm trying to like joke her heart, Paddington. Or would he just have a bigger family? Two families. Oh. True. I'm trying to break know. him. I'm trying to have him break his one rule about optimism, you know, and really... <laughs> Wow. <laughs> I'm kidding. I love you, Paddington. I, I, I Audience, you couldn't see this, but Jake did a motion with his hand as if he was choking the life out of Paddington. Uh, it could have been the husband. You, you don't know. It could have been the husband. I was metaphorically <laughs> choking. You don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, why did why did Paddington get sick and almost die at the end of that movie? Yeah. Like part yeah. of me was part of me was really hoping when Paddington awoke from his coma, when he asked how long it was, they'd be like, it's been 20 years. Voldemort has returned. Boom. Harry Potter <laughs> cinematic universe. But I know he, he literally almost died in this movie. And so did so did SpongeBob and Patrick. They almost died. Also, I actually think their scene was that was the one instance where the live action actually did get me as a kid. And even like rewatching it now, like when they dried up and they're like, oh, I'm a good like that was that was it's a good death scene. I didn't know SpongeBob could have a good death yeah. scene, but it does. And it's better than Paddington's death scene. It's different than Paddington's. I have to say, Jake, you you talked about the you talked about how you, you don't really like the use of the live action in SpongeBob. But I think that twist of them getting picked up by the Cyclops and then waking up and being in the like fishbowl. I thought was a very fun, interesting use of live action. But that's again, we're getting too deep into skin theory, guys. We got it. Yeah, which really is looming in the background of this conversation in a pretty uncomfortable way for SpongeBob's chances moving forward. You know, (laughs) if they're just people in skin suits, what does that mean? What does that make us? Hey, there is no evidence that Paddington Brown is not a little man in a bear suit. He's a wizard. How dare you? He has a Twitter account. And he's very sweet on it. So I'd watch what you say. He's very sweet. <laughs> I, I love Paddington's Twitter, actually. It's one of my favorite accounts. Another another point that I just kind of want to talk about a little bit is each movie's approach to humor. Obviously, the SpongeBob movie is a little bit more explicitly like a comedic a- adventure, whereas Paddington's is also still a comedy, but I think a little bit more like a... It, 
I don't know, adventure like family familial movie. drama. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. Um, but I do think that they have one like overlapping ways that they're using humor, but two like very different, like primarily very different approaches to humor, which I think is interesting, at least from my perspective. Yeah. Paddington feels more like cute humor in a way where like a lot of it revolves around Paddington being adorable and stuff. I do think Paddington does have some great lines, though, that feel very snappy and good. But Spongebob's are like very satirical and witty in that way. Yeah, like that was... Mm -hmm kind of be the like categories I would pose it into is like Paddington has like this, like these subsects of like this setup callback humor. Yeah. Yeah. Versus SpongeBob being a little bit more satirical, having the uh, like a, a bit more like irreverent humor or, you know, kind of like wacky surrealist humor. To me, SpongeBob feels very much like a series of sketches. Like it could have been written as the scenes yeah. are very, because I think it's, a, it's like a linear adventure. The scenes are very like you have a set piece and you have another set piece and another set piece that each kind of feel like their own thing. I I mean, I think in terms of comedy, I think SpongeBob takes it out. I definitely appreciate the comedy in SpongeBob more than in Paddington. Like, I agree that Paddington has its gems, but I think overall, to me, SpongeBob is a funnier movie. It's also more memorable. I mean, like, yeah, I I, I think I'd agree. SpongeBob is definitely like it, it hits way more and has like more like memorable lines uh, like I can think of funny moments in Paddington, but I can't really think of like, except for uh, no. Yeah. Like my favorite joke in the SpongeBob movie is right at the end, the goofy goofy rock song. You have that scene where Patrick is in the thigh high boots and fishnet stockings, just like standing over SpongeBob. And then at the end, after the song, he walks over and he's still <laughs> wearing the fishnets and the thigh high boots and lowers SpongeBob. Who's in his wizard outfit, like from the rope and dangling from the <laughs> ceiling. So, so funny. Such a good joke. Um, another conversation, uh, the way that side characters are handled in this movie because or in these two movies, because I haven't seen Paddington one. So like are all the like neighbors and people in the neighborhood characters from the first Paddington movie where he like wins them over? Or is that just in in this movie? They're not like specifically dedicating time in the first movie to him winning over each individual neighbor. I know it seems that way. I, I was going to say for someone who doesn't like uh, who didn't watch the first one, it definitely seems like the neighbors were the crux of the first one. To me, it seemed like all those neighbors were characters who were coming back and it was like, oh, look at these neighbors who were in the first movie. So I guess... I don't know. I don't know if that's like a just because I didn't see the first movie, but the like street guard or like the neighborhood watchman, I feel like played a bigger role in the first movie, but I don't know. But like, it seems like his character, I was like a little confused by his character. Like, why does this guy hate a little bear? Bear's so cute. It was actually a dude who, it was a dude who snuck on set. It was, they couldn't edit his scenes out. He was that disruptive. He just kept coming back. um, That is also, I believe, specifically included in that way as a commentary on anti-immigration in the UK. Like, that's the purpose wow, of the so character. Wow, so Paddington really has it all. No, pa- pa- Paddington slaps. And also, like, kind of what I what I talked about before, like, you don't really get Sandy or Crabs or, you know, Squidward to a certain extent. I, I, um, I want to... And a lot of the other side characters. I mean, I wouldn't argue, though, that, like, the neighborhood characters are, but like, what, what good I would supporting say characters. That the, I would say like the jail the, people are. Yeah, like, they play the role of the supporting character. I would say that, like... In terms of um, not necessarily directly supporting characters, but Hugh Grant as uh, Phoenix Buchanan is like a way more interesting and fun villain than anything we get to see in SpongeBob. Mm. Like, so I would almost put him with the amount of screen time he gets as like a like 
much closer to a side character. Sure. The, um, I can't remember what the like hitman that plankton sends name is. Um, Dennis. Yeah. You know, he gets a couple of his own scenes, but I don't think they come voiced by Alec Baldwin. Yeah. He has his own issues. He has his own (laughs) issues that he needs to work out. Yeah, I don't think that Dennis comes close to Phoenix Buchanan as a villain to me. Also, Mad-Eye Moody, um, which that's not his actual, the, you know, the actor in the Harry Potter franchise who plays (laughs) Mad-Eye Moody, who plays uh, the cook in the Paddington. I think he has a pretty fun and pretty exciting. And like, I like also all the other jail people. uh, He's a pretty, like, he has like a substantive character arc as a side character. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Are we ready, guys? I guess. I think so. I think we're ready. Let's take it to a vote. All right. Who wants to go first? I mean, I I, I can. <laughs> I believe in you, Matthew. Uh, I voted for Paddington, too. Nice. Nothing to anyone's surprise. He's a little bear. Yeah. Jake, how about you? I voted for Paddington, too. I also voted Paddington, too. And that makes three of us. Two times in a row. Paddington Pad- 2. Wow. Three Paddington votes. Two. Unanimous. It's just such a cute little bear. He's so charming. I he really love the is. heck out of him. He is so, 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 so charming. Not that the SpongeBob movie is a great movie, and I do think it's funnier. Holds up better than it has any business holding surprisingly up. Surprisingly well. It's a surprisingly funny movie. Yeah. Yeah. But should we get into the second half of yes. the semifinals? With Paddington 2 advancing to the finals, we've got Life of Pi versus fantastic mr fox battling to see who gets the other seat that's very exciting very exciting very exciting <sighs> okay jake calm it down i get I'm it. so fucking excited very exciting tiger that's our transition folks so coming at you we've got life of pine released in 2012 directed by ang lee uh, it follows Pi, who is stuck out at sea with a tiger whose name is Richard Parker. After Pi's entire family died, they go on <laughs> a whole spiritual, maybe proverbial, maybe real journey across the ocean. And they come out the other side. Very different people slash animals. Tigers. Tiger. You know what I just realized about about this bracket? Yeah, we actually have we had lions, tigers, and bears (laughs) in this bracket. Whoa! And oh my, because oh mouse hunt. All right, we did it. (laughs) We did it. We found a way to talk about. We got all the animals. We got all the animals. Uh, it, are we? <laughs> is our podcast Noah's Ark? Is this how animals are going to live on after uh, society is destroyed? After it inevitably collapses? Uh, actually, I think um, it's that that full scale. I just did air quotes. Uh, recreation of Noah's Ark that's in like Kentucky or whatever. Wow, Kentucky's wild. Anyway, yeah. so introducing the final <laughs> the matchup here uh, is. Fantastic Mr. Fox, directed by Wes Anderson, 2009. It's just about a fox at a midlife crisis. You you know, you know the drill. He steals from farmers. They notice and they try to kill him. And, you know, wild hijinks happen. So let's get into it, guys. Let's get into it. Get into the foxhole. War. Is that a <laughs> is that what our next bracket's going to be? I don't know. 
What hole? <laughs> yeah, guys, focus on the word hole. Holes. 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 Hop. John Marston. Hop. James Marston. How James, dare you? Sorry, sorry, sorry. He's watching over us right now. He is. I actually saw a tweet the other day about the movie 27 Dresses. Don't ask what side of Twitter I'm on. But James Marston is in that movie and it just made me is think he of the, Is Marston. he the primary um, romantic interest in that movie? Yeah. Yeah. Huh. yeah. I feel long, like he, long he's the primary romantic interest in, in most movies that he's in. He's pretty handsome. Yeah. Sonic and him and their love scene was so good. Way more explicit than really I thought steamy. it was. Really, so really good. graphic. Hey, honestly, that choice, chili dog. Their choice to show Sonic's <laughs> their choice to show Sonic's toes was that a Tarantino <laughs> film or what? Yeah, <laughs> I'm going with what on that. One. <laughs> uh, I do hope that Sonic wins the uh, something at the Oscars, though. That would I my life would if be it complete. even gets nominated. That's a big win. That's it, a big it, win for everyone. I <laughs> was really hopeful when we went into quarantine that Sonic would get nominated. But now on the other side, well, we're still in quarantine, on side, but yeah. on the other side of 2020, um, I feel like Sonic might not get a nomination. No, it's going to get edged out. Heartbreaking. I, I, it's like it's honestly a conspiracy <laughs> theory to me because I think they only extended the Oscar contention so they could kick Sonic. So they out. wouldn't have to nominate Sonic. Yeah. It's yeah. wild to me that Sonic the Hedgehog was the last movie I saw in theaters before hey. everything happened. <laughs> Same. <laughs> wow, that's that's uh, our uh, that's our reality. Yeah. Um, anyway, wow. talking about these so, two movies. If anyone uh before we get into kind of comparison, I, I was thinking a lot about the whole um, issue slash non-issue of if Richard Parker is the protagonist. And I was uh, listening to our other episode and thinking about stuff Alex said. And I think Alex mentioned um, that if Richard Parker is a separate character and and not Pi, then, then all he does is essentially antagonize him. But I'd like to argue that a character can be antagonistic and still be the protagonist or a protagonist. A really good example that I want to bring up uh, that I thought of that I think Alex will like, he may not agree with, but I think he'll like, is uh, Avengers Infinity War. I think Thanos is 100% the protagonist of that movie. He's antagonizing the entire time, but he follows the hero's journey and essentially wins at the end, while Richard Parker doesn't have a uh, like as glorious of an arc as like Thanos might. But I think that he still does have a strong arc, and I think that it's evidenced by him pausing at the edge of the forest. I think that's his, like, also his, like, sitting watching the sunset moment. And I don't know. I, I think that I think helps anchor us into having Richard Parker, no matter which way you look at it, if he is Pi or if he isn't Pi, him still being a protagonist in my eyes. And that's why it's really interesting to me. So I'm I'm with you. Thanos is definitely the protagonist of Infinity War. Um, I think. I still don't really think Richard Parker is is a protagonist, but I think for the sake of having meaningful and uh, <laughs> beneficial discussions, I will ignore that fact. I tried. That I, tried, that I, I tried. disagree. <laughs> uh, unless someone else has a, a topic of discussion, something I think that these movies are very, very opposed in, which is the case in a lot of movies is, you know, <laughs> movies are thematically different. Crazy. But it just struck me for whatever reason. So you have like the primary thematic through line in Life of Pi, obviously being this relationship between faith and reason. And then I think the the broad thematic trends you see in Fantastic Mr. Fox are one, you kind of have this idea of the midlife crisis Two, I think 
the the relationship of wild and civilized Mm -hmm. and then the other one being that i at least i I identify being differentness or like it's okay to be different and two things on that one the idea that like being yourself has come up in so many movies in this bracket and then also midlife crises have come up so many times in this bracket so much is really fascinating it's pretty wild how interested, like how often themes of identity and self-discovery are present in movies about animals where we're looking at like animals as the main characters. I wonder if like cinema uses animals as a way, like we put those themes onto movies about animals so that way we can identify with them more. I, I 100% think that's part of it. I think that's why so many of these movies their main characters are essentially like just people. They're anthropomorphized, you know, creatures like a very much applying human characteristics to animals rather than like letting these care, letting these animals be animals, um, which I know is something we touched on at like the beginning of our first episode Talk in this bracket. King. Yeah. But I just think it's like kind of an interesting idea that that's for sure. Super, super common. Of course, some of that has to do with facilitation of storytelling. Like, it's much harder yeah. to tell a movie with just animals being animals than it is um, to tell one about animals. Like, you know, with well, what's human interesting actually, uh, especially comparing Life of Pi and Fantastic Mr. Fox, is Life of Pi does have that message, uh, especially when Pi's talking to his father about, like, no, I, like these animals have souls, or like I'm looking at Richard Parker, like I see the soul. And him trying to teach him that hard lesson about uh, when Richard Parker attacks another animal and is wild. Where in like Fantastic Mr. Fox, it's it's about like, again, really overly. And I think it's credit to Wes Anderson's style being like overly humanistic and to the point where it's like no one really acts like a Wes Anderson character as much as they want to, as much as like film film dudes (laughs) want to claim their (laughs) <laughs> that whimsical but i think it's so interesting looking at wes anderson's films especially that he did a stop motion with animals that he can apply those like overly humanistic overly quirky things like all the symmetry all the whatever that we kind of seek in the world and it still feel overly human where you know pie's trying to argue that this this animal like does have a soul it is human trying to find that spirituality from that um they're both kind of getting at similar similar things so yeah, I, I think that is a good point yeah for sure I wonder if Pi ever thought about having sex with the tiger. I don't think so. (laughs) I I do think that it was maybe on the table, but when that, um, when the tiger (laughs) sprayed him right in the mouth, actually, maybe that's the moment it changed because, you know, don't, doesn't Pi have like a pheromone in it? Isn't that, that might be a thing. I feel like I've said so many things that someone could fact check and be like, Matthew's just making shit up. It's also just revealing a lot about the stuff you know or or, or that's uh-huh. in your brain. It's revealing a lot about Matthew, guys. Piece together the kind of person Matthew is from all these clues in today's episode. We have skin theory and cat piss pheromones. Uh, so do with that the, what you uh, will. the Alaskan forensics bear hunt. Um, <laughs> oh, yeah. sh- shoot Sorry. a message, How email us. Forget? Who is this man? What an interesting, what an interesting portrait of Matt this episode is painting. Portrait of a uh, Matthew on fire. okay cool (laughs) i i actually something i want to think about is like the art in these two movies 
that was what I was going to bring that up. Fantastic Mr. Fox has such a beautiful like orange sunset color palette. But I think Life of Pi also has, I mean, obviously stunning visuals from a, a CGI perspective. It's interesting to compare the the puppetry in Wes Anderson versus Ang Lee's Life of Pi. So something I thought was super interesting regarding the visuals and is the reason that I actually um, noted down this as a topic I kind of wanted to touch on as well um, is I th- do think that there's this interesting relationship. I don't know what the reverse of metatextual is. Intratextual? Uh, yeah, it's yeah. Maybe like intratextually because you have like faith versus reason or fact versus fiction in Life of Pi. And then you have um, like the practical piece of using puppetry for everything and like having these physical sets for stop motion versus these wide um like breathtaking cgi or like fictional in that sense so i think like intratextually the application of of that theme to the two movies artistically um not so much super interesting but just like i don't know kind of fun well, it's interesting how they how they fill space, right? Because in, in in they each have to fill fill space and put in a certain amount of effort to do it. With the stop motion, it feels in, in our heads like way more like, or at least in mine, I, I should speak only for myself, like way more meticulous. Uh, where every single movement you see, like they have to move. Even like when you see the whiskers move on like Foxy's like you know head, everything like all that has to move. When um. Michael Gambon's character, uh, the uh, Bean, when he, when the farmer like is flipping everything in the RV, he is nonstop moving. All those things are moving like nonstop. Whereas in in CGI, not to discredit CGI at all, I think a lot of people do. They have to fill in all those backgrounds, all the scenes with like the jellyfish uh, scene pops in my head, uh, all the flying fish, all the the meerkats and stuff like that. Granted, it is a lot of like replication. Uh, there are a lot of beautiful scenes in Life of Pi, but they're just, it's a lot of, oh, there are a lot of fish. There are a lot of this thing. There are a lot of this thing. It's still beautiful colors, and you still have to put in those things and implement them. But Fantastic Mr. Fox's is a way more detailed, like, okay, so his paw is going to move here with this mug that we made a miniature set of, where this person's fur is going to move this direction, where the like plates are going to be textured this way. Um, so they both fill in, but in very different ways. There's something really special to it because in when you're doing it in in puppetry, if it's not perfect, they have to reshoot it. If it's CGI, they can edit the the effect, right? So I think there's something really special about that. Um, another thing that really stands out to me, though, is the actual camera angles that they use because in Fantastic Mr. Fox, it's a lot of like straight on angles and then you'll get interest like from different um distances away and then you'll get very interesting shots that are from like above or uh you know something like that Uh, like uh, a scene that stands out to me is when they break into the cider is that when they when they're getting the cider and they meet the rat and you see the like overhead shot of all of the cases of cider oh so good versus life of pi i feel like you uh, you get those same overhead shots occasionally uh, but it's a lot of like down low looking up it's it's just interesting the way that it kind of creates that effect. You'll get shots where Pi looks enormous standing on top of this boat in the middle of the ocean. And then you'll get shots that are perspective where it's just endless seas of nothing. And he's so small and alone on this little boat. Yeah, I don't know which I like more, really. I will say that one shot of 
Pi and Richard Parker both looking out on the. I think it's probably the poster shot or something. Is very yeah, great. Is. I really do love that shot. And um, my contribution is uh, <laughs> stop motion really do be taking a long time, and we know that because if you grew up watching iCarly, now available on Netflix, there's that scene where huh. Spencer makes the stop motion. And we know it takes a long time because he's he's only moved it like six inches by the end of the episode. That was like a 20 minute episode. That feels like a long time as a kid. Again, revealing a lot about <laughs> Matthew in this episode. A lot about Matthew. I Carly Stan. We should get the guy who played Gibby on the show. <laughs> we can't say I'm sure he's tired of people calling him Gibby. Didn't he have okay. like, doesn't he have a mixtape or something now? I, I thought he was one of the ones who has just like a weird, interesting career post, like a Here, wild one. For whoever's um, editing the episode. Guys, we should get um, Noah um, Monk, Monk, who plays oh, Gibby the, the on guy the show. Who played Gibby, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. The, the guy who played Gibby, of course, of course. <laughs> Noah Monk, my nice. favorite. <laughs> way, to, way, to, way to make that transition really smooth for me, Matt. I appreciate it. <laughs> <laughs> what is that, man? Uh, Why did you that, send us a picture from iCarly.com of a woman holding a giant pair of whitey tighties? Uh, yeah, those are Gibby's. That's Charlotte Gibson, Gibby's mother on the TV show. Uh, it's from the iCarly.fandom.com Gibson family members page. I can't believe you have that page bookmarked so quick. That's yeah. crazy. <laughs> I actually, I made a claymation. That claymation was the first film I ever made. Fun fact, I was five years old on a, on a field trip. Or not five years old. It must have been like seven or six years old. On a field trip to in California when I lived there to some like institution where we went to like a college and they gave us balls of clay and a little like flick camera and they're like, do something. And I think I still <laughs> have the DVD somewhere and mine was about a little dog who eventually just for no reason at all, kept losing his legs because I didn't know what to do with the clay. <laughs> but I was so in love with that. I had just this dog and I didn't want to make any other characters. So I was like, I used all my clay on this dog. I guess I got to make the dogs. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I'm not a serial killer. Um, yeah, I know that. Oh, okay. All right. That's good enough for me. Matt has a sense for these things. Uh, it seems that Dina Dill, who plays Gibby's mother um, for most of the series, <laughs> Um, has uh, just been in a variety of mostly TV movies. Oh, yeah, wow. she's in in, in hey, the for upcoming, for Dina. or maybe this movie actually already came out. His killer fan, swim fan, meets <laughs> a star is born in this female-led music-centric thriller that puts the audience <laughs> front row center in a torturous tale of friendship, obsession, and fanaticism. And it appears that Dina Dill is in a wheelchair in the image. So she's an able-bodied person playing a disabled person. I don't... I'm, it might I'm be no a different longer, actress. no it's longer a fan. Dina fan. I'm sorry. I'm still a Noah Monk fan, though. Yeah. Love you, a jealous Gibby. woman, young woman hatches a D... I don't know. It might be someone else that's in the wheelchair. Feel free to cut this whole portion. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we may need to get into that. Uh, comparing again. We should... Man, George Clooney's good. Yeah, I was yeah. going to say, if we're comparing like the actual like protagonists, if, if we're doing Richard Parker versus Foxy and the performances, like Foxy's so good and so like complex and so I, like... I want to I double down on the comment that I made last 
last week. Yeah. When we talked about Fantastic Mr. Fox that I don't think we addressed enough that to your point saying he's a complex character, I think he is such a fantastically realized, flawed, complicated character which I don't I feel like we don't see enough of of like writers being willing to make their characters properly flawed in like real ways. So it's just so great to see it executed so well. I think what's so interesting about it, too, is the way the movie frames it of like, oh, well, it's my nature. And it's like playing on the idea that like animals have a nature. But then at the same time, it's like it's not because that it's because he's like a well thought out character. You know, I think it's just done so effectively. Yeah. Because I mean, he does have like he he's super patronizing. Even like at the end, he's still a kind of a know-it-all character. Like they don't fix him, especially mm-hmm. with that last uh, newspaper article. If you pause it, like he, in it, he literally spoilers. He literally says, "I caught my wife like crying on the phone the other day," or I "Caught my wife saying like she wasn't happy the other day." And that's like five minutes left of the movie. That isn't resolution. That's like, <laughs> you know, they're still living out there. And he's like, I have to look in the mirror and be okay with that. And like, that's that's in the movie, in this film, in this adult film. But we're still rooting for Foxy. And he's still doing good as best he can. Yeah, I, I think it's one of those things where he's not like a flawed, awful character that you want to not yeah. root for. He is like a person you understand. Mm-hmm. And sure, he mm-hmm. may have behavior you don't like. Once they're they're like full bodied in the situation where he's mucked everything up, he is truly doing his best to try and make everything better for his family, for mm-hmm. the other animals' lives that he's potentially changed permanently. So, like, I, I I do think you still want to root for him. I think too, what the movie does so well is that when everything is resolved, it doesn't resolve every issue in his life. And I think that mm-hmm. is something that movies don't do very often. But yet he still has those arcs. He still has like the wolf arc about being wild or whatever. He still has the even his tail blowing off and him being so gung-ho about I'm getting that tail, I'm going to do it, whatever, just as obsessed as Bean was. But at the end, even though they do it as a comedic thing, like at the, um, I'm going to get that necktie and then they <laughs> blow, blow them and try to like shoot the mouth or whatever. He leaves it and it's a willingness to let things go uh in in his charismatic way that i think carries on throughout it uh which i think is really it's it's interesting that he has multiple arcs and a lot of these characters do it's very fun i think i think that's interesting when comparing it to pi because i think pi goes through several arcs based on the different points in his life young pi has a different arc than pi on the boat than pi recounting the story mm-hmm. you know i think it's it's interesting to Obviously, it's done in a very different way, but looking at how Pi kind of grows, you watch Pi grow and you at the same time, you see where he gets to, which I think is so fascinating. Remember when Pi did remember when Pi just in order to get out of his you know nickname about being like pissing memorized almost every single number in the irrational Pi? Also, that's just a very clever writing. Yeah, thing. That, that point is so glossed over like that. That point is just thrown out there. It's also like, again, just very great writing that uh, Pi wanted to get in order to get out of his like name. He wanted an irrational like name and and stuff. And then like, uh. it's, you know, ration versus like religion stuff. I thought it was very, very smart. Very clever. It's very clever. Yeah, because pissing is religious and Pi is irrational oh my god and the tiger peed on him oh my god the ti- richard parker is god mm. 
Mm. Because don't that you know when they when when it it rains, anyone else as a kid, people say, "Oh, it's God peeing." Yeah, when it when yeah when it rains when the sun's out, it's a tiger peeing on you and and, and being turned on. Is that what you said, Matthew? Is <laughs> no, I just think there's some kind of pheromone in cat pee, but that <laughs> might be a literal lie. <laughs> <laughs> There is that hormone in cats where, like, they make you like them, though. That's a thing, right? Is it weed? Do cats make you smoke weed? <laughs> it's crystal <laughs> weed. Cats cats walk over and they're like, hey, kid, do drugs. <laughs> and you're like, yeah, I guess I got to do drugs now to be friends with these cats. <laughs> I love those anti-drug commercials. Sally hasn't been the same since she's been doing drugs. Cut to her fucking steamrolled over and <laughs> flatlined on that couch. <laughs> Oh God! Or the I learned it from you, you Dad. dad. Uh, one day, one day we'll we'll do a bracket on dare commercials. Wow, that's fun. Uh, pissing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, cha- I, I mentioned pissing in my review of this movie on Letterbox. Go check it out at Tough Cut Pod um, on Letterbox. So are we just doing the outro and not going to say what we voted for then? <laughs> I guess. I guess it's time. I can start. All right, Jake, who are you voting for? Yeah, for this one, I think moving on, it's going to be really interesting to have a way more complex, fully realized uh, animal protagonist. So I'm voting Fantastic Mr. Fox. And I also am voting for Fantastic Mr. Fox. And for the first time in the Tough Cut podcast, I am also voting for Fantastic Mr. Fox, which means two unanimous contenders swept their way through each side of the bracket going head to head in the finals. Tell them what the audience gets. Tell them what the audience gets. Honorable mentions. Yeah, we want your honorable (laughs) mentions for next week. Please, please. (laughs) That's literally tweet us at them. Instagram DMs. I don't care. Comments. Tell us some uh, because, you know, we don't have any. Well, we have some yeah. in our own heads, but we want your guys's. Be on the lookout for some posts where we ask you guys for your honorable mentions and you'll be featured in next week's episode. It will yeah, be really exciting. Maybe we'll include your app. Maybe we won't. If we just want to take your take the credit from you. <laughs> <laughs> hey, it's uh, from, <laughs> four, from from 420 Poop Eater. We have. (laughs) (laughs) I'm about to make an account for 420 Poop Eater and have it follow the tough cut. Okay, Poop Feast 420. I know you're out there. We used to watch uh, GSL streams of StarCraft 2 at like 4 a.m. together. I know you're out there, my guy. We're revealing so much about Matthew. <laughs> so much about Matthew. This truly is a portrait of Matthew. On, on fire. fire. <laughs> Fantastic. Wait, we should say what the finals are. We did it. We, we yes. Did it in the finals, we've got Paddington 2 going up against Fantastic Mr. Fox. I truly have no idea which movie is going to win. Oh, it's going to be really tough. It's they have a lot really, of really a lot hard. of the movies in common. Honestly, it's it's very. It's, it's going be to be. It's going to be the toughest cut. The toughest Whoa. cut. Really wish we could just award both the win. No. <laughs> 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 so follow us on socials at Tough Cut Pod on Twitter, Instagram, Letterbox. Email us if you have business opportunities or just want to say hi. Thanks so much for listening, guys. This has been the Tough Cut. I guess. I'm ending the episode this time. <laughs> Bye. Not if I end it first. <laughs>